Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You probably got your sample ballot or the actual ballot. The actual ballot, sorry. Um, in the mail either on Saturday or it's going to come today or tomorrow. And if you don't get it, uh, you want to contact the registrar of voters and go, hey, what gives if you don't get it over the next week or so? Uh, a shout out, thanks to all the postal workers who once again have to carry the heavy burden of all of that in processing as well. And then, of course, you can you can mail them in and you can track your ballots and by the way, welcome to the Mark Larson Show, our number two here on San Diego's Talk AM 760. But then you have these these um, vote centers, these these voting centers. So you can mail early. Today's the first day of early voting. And uh, have your ballot this way. They they promote this. like It's really cool because you get it in early. Your, your vote will be in the first tallies they release on election night. So get it in soon. And only vote via one ballot invariably we hear this every election especially now since 2020 became all mail-in okay we'll have a few places and there was pressure and they said okay we'll do some in-person voting like you can do that at the county registrar of voters but you have to if you're not registered to vote you've got to have that done by i believe it's may 23rd and, of course, you, if you're going to send it in via the U.S. Postal Service, your ballot must be postmarked on or before Election Day. Then you can track your ballot and look at your code, or you can go to one of these vote centers. But the days of uh, pre-COVID being able to go to the polling place, which used to be down in uh, you know Bubba's garage down the street, uh, that's not the way it goes anymore. You can go to one of the voting centers. And they already send out the I, I voted sticker with you here. There, So uh, you could even return uh, to Dropbox locations your ballot anytime starting today. Uh, for example, you can go to the California DMV, just like they need something else to do. At any rate, do not drop it off at the Employment Development Department. Too many problems <laughs> with that. Well, they may be able to track the check that they... That they promised you in year number one of COVID. At any rate, our number 800-760-5362. Mark Larson here on San Diego's Talk AM 760. Kelly Martinez is going to join us here. She's the undersecretary, undersecretary, I elevated her, undersheriff um, at the sheriff's department. She's running for the gig uh, because Bill Gore retired a little bit earlier than people expected. And she's not the interim sheriff because the county board of supervisors said we're not going to allow you to campaign as an incumbent that way. So we have an interim sheriff at the moment, but she's, she's right up there with uh, others running for sheriff. We've talked to, um, we had John Hemmerling on, we had Jonathan Peck last week. Uh, I'm sure we'll have Dave Myers at some point, And then Kelly Martinez. These are the leading candidates. There's a couple of others um, that have been interesting nicknames, uh, but, but we'll, We'll see how this plays out. So we're going to talk with Kelly Martinez in the next segment here. Also, County Supervisor Jim Desmond, speaking of election year, he he doesn't have to even be in the midst of the primary because he only has one opponent. A a real big-time lefty is the opponent, but because there's only 
Desmond, the incumbent on the County Board of Supervisors, and voice of reason that he is, uh, thank God, uh, capital G, he doesn't have to go through the primary process. Nathan Fletcher has some other uh, contenders. Amy Reichert, probably the leading one, versus uh, Chair Nathan. So he's got to go through the primary, which is coming up June 8th. And then, uh, remember how that works, the top two will go at it for the for the general election in November. So all of that info is on sdvote.com. That's also where you can contact the registrar if you're if your ballot ballot doesn't show up or by the same token, if you happen to get ballots for everybody who ever lived or thought of living, living or dead in your same place of residence. And this happens all the time. We're told this, it's just great voting integrity. That would never happen, but it does. Most people say here, registrar, I got too many ballots. Uh, they're, they're not, these people aren't here anymore. Or that person's dead or whatever. That's the honorable way. To do it. Meanwhile, we have uh, crises galore. We told you about how COVID, especially after the election in the fall, will be right back to just uh, in the abundance of caution. We, we hear the rumblings, what they're trying to do now to make us all sick and nervous and change the subject if possible. Um, but, but there's also the energy crisis, California style, because over the weekend, you might have missed this. This is one of those uh, drop it into the news on Friday stories. That then gets covered on Saturday. Here's the Union Tribune. California energy officials said Friday that an extremely hot summer combined with constrained supplies, there's that COVID supply chain again, could lead to a repeat of the 2020 statewide electricity outages. Now, this is where I remind you that California, if it was its own nation, would be like the fifth largest economically and economically um, nation in the world that can't keep its lights on. Yes, and Newsom's up for re-election, too. You realize there's like 26 people running for governor in the primary? So you get, get your ballot and look at it, and you'll be amazed. You'll also be amazed that you probably got redistricted, and the people you think are representing you won't be. So good luck with that. So Mark uh, Rothlitter, chief operating officer of the California Independent System Operator, the ones that tell you, oh, it's a, it's a flex alert, so run your uh, air conditioning at 3 in the morning. Thanks. This guy says, if all those things were to occur, hot weather, constrained supplies, there is a real potential for potential. He's got two potentials in the same sentence. If all these things were to occur, there is a real potential for potential outages. And we have to be prepared for that. That's a fancy way of saying, we can't make this work, so it's all on you. And by the way, you're going to pay more for it as you and I already are. They manage, the ISO manages the electric grid for about 80% of the state, and I would just add, not very well. Working on a traditional 1 in 10 forecast, notes the UT, state officials said the electric system could find itself 1,700 megawatts short of needed capacity in the coming months. Using rough calculations, this sounds like COVID again. I don't know, let's model it here. What do you think? I don't know, it's just, uh, let's go with this. Calculations from the California Energy Commission, uh, 1,700 megawatts is enough to power about 1.3 million homes. In the event of extreme weather and wildfires, the shortfall could reach between 4,000 and 5,000 megawatts. So now you're talking about, you know, 1,700 megawatts is 1.3 million. If it's 5,000 megawatts short, sometimes that's a whole lot more pain. Do the math. 
And a lot of this is because we don't use things that actually work well. We're we're anti-fossil fuels in California, right? You know, you gotta you, you can't do that. This is all about clean energy, and you're supposed to really enjoy it. And I'm all for not polluting, but this is uh, <laughs> this is this, this is a preemptive strike. Demand. Let's see what they say. This that, that typically in August, which is especially hot, it's called weather. It's not because you're SUV. The demand. Peak demand on the California ISO uh, ISO grid in August hovers around 43,000 megawatts. All-time record was 50,270 megawatts in July of 2006. Alice Reynolds, the president of the California Public Utilities Commission, CPUC for short, I know it's PUC, she says... Uh, in general, we do have enough power to supply the system, but we have to leave enough power for any event that might hit us. And besides, see, these people really, really, really like us to have expensive electricity and and gas and oil, all of that because it gets to utopian land where we'll just beg for more mass transit. So they like that. Remember Obama saying in 2008 to the San Francisco Chronically Wrongical Editorial Board? Said under my uh, cap and trade plan, uh, electricity prices would necessarily skyrocket. Well, thank you, Nostradamus. At any rate, more on all of that. So we have that crisis. Is is that they haven't? Did Newsom announce a? Uh, he didn't have an official ongoing uh, power crisis because you know his number one priority is Gavin Newsom. But we do have the water crisis that's out there, and water you know, generate power up hydroelectric power and. It's all related. Then we have the supply chain as a wild card. So sit back and enjoy that. But the weather is going to get nice and warm later in the week, so be be ready. They all figure that they've covered it now. And it always comes back, not so much that, yeah, let's build more reservoirs. Let's do more of this. Let's prepare more of that. Now it's like, no, you just do not. You can wash your clothes, run your appliances like air conditioners in the middle of the night. And sit in the dark the other times and hope it works out. Because you're going to feel good and sensitive and greener. Eh? Break into small groups and discuss that one. Kelly Martinez wants to be elected for a full term as your San Diego County Sheriff. We're going to talk to her coming up in a moment. San Diego's Talk, AM 760. San Diego's Talk, AM 760. Now, when you listen to us on the free iHeartRadio app, you have the player right there listening to AM 760. You can press that little microphone button. That's the talkback feature. It's new, it's improved, it's easy to use. Record your message. You can even listen back, make sure it's done the way you like it. After all, it could end up on the radio, so you can opine on anything. Even if it's not necessarily what we're talking about at the time, just when you listen live, that's how you do that. We've been talking a lot about San Diego County Sheriff's Department about for all the years I've been in San Diego, but also especially lately because Sheriff Bill Gore, who was there for some time, said, okay, I'm out of here, went and retired. Um, mainly to take care of his wife, who's going through some medical challenges. He's very open on that and talked with us about it as well. So uh, lo and behold, there's there's a, a free-for-all available to vote for the San Diego County Sheriff. And, of course, Sheriff Gore had uh, endorsed publicly Kelly Martinez, who's uh, the undersheriff. And, of course, the County Board of Supervisors said, uh, well, we don't want somebody to be running in that position, so we have an interim sheriff now. It's a fairly crowded uh, field as uh, Kelly Martinez joins us. Uh, she's on the uh, ballot. I'm also looking at uh, my particular ballot just in. Juan Carlos Charlie Mercado. 
Dave Myers, retired uh, Sheriff Commander Jonathan Peck. We had on the show the other day John Hammerling, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Then there's also John Gundo Gunderson, a police captain, Charles Chuck Battle. A lot of great names in the mix. So they just sound... And you're Kelly Ann Martinez, so you have no call sign, apparently. Is that right? Uh, I'm an undersheriff. <laughs> well, but yeah, so that's legit, but, but you don't have the cool nickname. Oh, yeah. yeah well, no. yeah. Okay. everybody's mm-hmm. kind of top gunning it here. Uh, I got to ask you this because I know this is a nonpartisan. First of all, welcome to, to the show. Good to have you here, and I'm sure we'll talk with you again more as the, uh, the years move forward. Um, uh, there was some talk that, hey, Martinez had shifted from Republican to Democrat. I know this is a nonpartisan. Uh, situation. I'm looking at the ballot. There's no mentions about anybody's political uh, persuasion. It, it, was that something that you just did? It was coming, or because some people want to read more into that. Yeah, I know they do. It, it was really just a personal uh, decision made before I decided to run for sheriff. Even, but you know, as you said, uh, sheriff sheriff is nonpartisan. It's public safety is really not about party right. affiliation. So. Yeah, and for people who don't know, you've been part of law enforcement for some time. Give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, I've been with the Sheriff's Department for 37 years. I've uh, risen through the ranks. I'm currently the under-sheriff who runs the day-to-day, orga- uh, day-to-day operations of the organization. I've been doing that for a little over a year. Um, as most people know, you know, we cover public safety for 4,200 square miles of the county, nine contract cities, 18 Indian reservations. We run the jails and the uh, security for the courthouses. It's a $1.1 billion organization, so it's really critical in the next year. Yeah, you kind of know the gig, that's for sure. And obviously, it was a milestone when you were appointed under sheriff. That It was a trailblazing thing at the time as well. Still is, right? Yeah, I'm the first uh, female under sheriff in our history, 172-year history here in San Diego County. And we've never had a female sheriff in this county either. But, you know, having said that, I'm also the most experienced and qualified candidate in this race. So with that in mind, you know, the big question beyond the obvious about, you know, party politics or whatever, um, has been the uh, the continuing reportage, especially from the Union Tribune. And, and Bill Gore and I talked about this a lot, too, um, making it sound like somehow the sheriff's department just starts every day saying, how many people can we kill off in the jails? I mean, it's, some of it's just way beyond, I think responsible reporting when you get down to it. But uh, what about that? I, I could see some of these other candidates saying, well, you know, that's been happening and uh, and Martinez has been there and, and, and this has been going on. So it's all about this, what they say is a disproportionate number of inmate deaths in the San Diego County jails. Yeah, it's certainly one of our challenges and, and any death is too many. And it's a huge tragedy when someone dies in jail, of course. Uh, what's really important to know, though, about the deaths is that how hard we're working to prevent them. Uh, it includes improving our infrastructure, medical and mental health care screenings at intake, increasing staffing, which is uh, huge right now, our hiring push, uh, in expanding our medication-assisted treatment program, improved safety checks and accountability, and just really more training and support for our staff as needed. And, you know, honestly, it's a very complicated problem. Uh, I've already implemented several changes, but those changes will take time. And None of it's really happening fast enough for any of us, but it's important that someone with my experience who understands this complexity of the system and has the qualifications needed uh, to make these changes as the next sheriff and not somebody who comes in and yeah. is trying to learn on the job, you know. 
And isn't it also fair, and this is something that now retired Sheriff Gore would often mention here on our show and, and even privately when we talk about it, that that the way the, the state of California has not made it any easier for the county sheriff's department, especially San Diego versus some of these other counties. Right. So that so that's part of the problem, too. Well, there's a lot of things going on, and, and it's important to know also that the pandemic hasn't helped us at all. It oh, hasn't yeah. helped any of the jail or prison systems, you know, having uh, individuals who are incarcerated, you know, and we really don't have a low-level offenders anymore. We have uh, people who are higher risk for a lot of things um, in our custody now, which is one of, you know, that's another challenge that's that's intrinsic to this whole problem. So. So it's an ongoing process, and, uh, and even day-to-day in your under-sheriff duties, uh, you're, you're working on all of that. What I find that really interesting, talking to Kelly Martinez, under-sheriff in San Diego County, who's up for, uh, for the, big, uh, the big full-time gig in terms of being sheriff, and uh, voting starts today. The, uh, if you don't have your ballot, it's coming soon, and early voting uh, is, is right there in the mix. But it, it's interesting to me when you get people saying, some of the same people who said, well, you know, her, she changed her party affiliation against a nonpartisan thing. But then the next thing they say is, I really like her on her position, whether it's concealed carry weapons permits or Second Amendment issues, which, as you know, have been a big, big thing for law-abiding gun owners. And I am one. So uh, what about that? Talk more about your position there, because I think it's interesting. Some of the biggest pro-Second Amendment people I know are saying, you know, I'm going to vote for, for Martinez. Yeah, well, you know, I think I have a track record of, of fixing uh, the CCW issue on our department. Uh, what we tried to do with CCWs was to reduce the wait times for applicants. You know, it really wasn't fair that individuals who qualify and have good cause to have a concealed carry permit had to wait, you know, sometimes for two years for their first appointment. And, you know, what I care about is people's ability to protect themselves. And uh, so I had our team de- sort of deconstruct our process. And what they came up with was what that we were conducting uh, our renewals for, uh, just like we were conducting the first-time application, and people had to come into our into our offices, which tied up, you know, really important staff time, and we didn't have enough staff, so now we do the renewals through the mail, which opened up all of those appointment times for first-time applicants, and that really streamlined the process and reduced the wait time. And, and I'm told, uh, you know, now it's a matter of weeks, but I've had people tell me, too, that they've got online and they've got appointments the next day. So. Wow. That's yeah, so, so I'm really happy. Yeah, it's been it's been huge. It was just a constant frustration that we really didn't know how to solve when it was so long, and it was just really simple once we looked at every step of our process and figured out how to do that. So, so that's a good case of uh, streamlining the system because I know at the time we're going back years, you would hear from people saying, "Ah, they just don't want to issue these, and it's not fair, and so yeah. forth." So part of that was just you know, operationally cleaning up the system as well. Kelly Martinez with us, undersheriff here in San Diego County. A couple of other uh, hot points, of course. What happens if COVID, heaven forbid, gets into more, I didn't want to say lockdowns, but you, know, you keep seeing signs of this. You get to, well, past the fall election, you know, suddenly it could be like it's an abundance of caution time, and then all of a sudden you have to add to your to-do list, like we saw at the sheriff's department over the last couple of years monitoring whether people are following the protocols or whatever. Um, is that sort of lurking as a possibility when you prepare for things, even budgetarily and staff? You, you know, not really. I, I um, you know, we learned a lot. I was assistant sheriff over law enforcement for, for three and a half years. And, you know, we worked through COVID and the pandemic. We worked through uh, the riots in East County and all of the other things mm-hmm. that were going on. There were a lot of challenges, a lot of, things we learned. And I, one of the things that I learned and um, I, moving forward, it's sort of my mantra is let's be more thoughtful in our approach. Let's make sure we have all the data and the information and, and let's, you know, it wasn't good for our communities or community relationships uh, to take a hard stance with those things. And 
I don't foresee myself doing that. Um, Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Well, and yeah, and, and the uh, Sheriff's Department, even back year number one, you know, we have this whole set of continuing emergency COVID years now, one way or another. But it wasn't like the Sheriff's Department was going hauling people off to jail for not properly yeah. masking. And so, thank God that wasn't what was going on at the time. Uh, real quickly, and this is a not a quick kind of a subject, but homelessness is still a big, big issue, as you know, uh, in all those areas where the top law enforcement the agency is the Sheriff's Department. Where Where's that going? Because you see it in various places around the county where, you know, the sheriff's department really seems to keep a handle on it. Other places where it's like, what is that encampment? Like the one out, outskirts of El Cajon. So this is a big headache, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it really is. And, and law enforcement's always been the response to homelessness. And, and that's, you know, we really aren't the solution. I think right. we need to be part of the solution because, you know, criminality and crime, uh, you know, really intersect with the homeless population either through you know, people who are committing crimes or, or being victimized by crime. So I think law enforcement needs to stay engaged in that solution. And in 2018, I created the team of eight deputies and a sergeant called our heart team, homeless assistance resource team that works with all of the social services to, you know, get resources where they can. But we always, I think, need to have that law enforcement support for those individuals when they go out there and engage with folks who are homeless. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, you know, crime prevention through env- environmental design is sort of, what works for us, that's what worked in Lamar Park and Spring Valley, sort of our gold standard of how to how to house people and still, you know, get the community, their parks back and things like that. Yeah, so, sure is an ongoing uh, challenge, uh, to say yeah. the least. Uh, what's your website, Kelly Martinez? Yeah, Kelly Martinez for Sheriff. That's easy. Fine. I can even remember that. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Now back to work. See you later. Thank you. Thank you. you. Thank All you. right. That's Kelly Martinez, undersheriff in San Diego County. Again, the top two vote-getters in the primaries. You look at your new ballot, or if you don't have it, it's coming soon. Uh, the top two will go on to the general election in November. Big, important position. One of the important local issues on the ballot. And today's the first day of early voting. Good luck. San Diego's San Diego's Talk, AM 760. along with the lyrics. San Diego's Talk AM 760. Remember the kinder, gentler Taliban? Told you they're going to be a new Taliban, right? You know what they did over the weekend? Told you so. They ordered women to cover up head to toe. Male relatives will face punishment for violations. That's working out well. How many Americans still there? 200? 300? I know Joe Biden's on it. He's on it. You may have seen the president, Dr. Jill Biden, going to, well, going to Ukraine over the weekend for some reason. Anyway, 
More questions about all that coming up. San Diego's Talk AM 760. Happy to welcome Jim Desmond back to the program. He is the hardworking District 5 San Diego County Supervisor. You can follow him on Twitter. And uh, Twitter seems to not be knocking down as much stuff all of a sudden if it's at all controversial. <laughs> so that's, that's a good sign. And Elon's not even uh, you know, fully uh, in the middle of that yet. How you doing? How go the battles? Well, you know, I'm getting ready. It's today's briefing day because uh, we got meetings uh, tomorrow and Wednesday. So tomorrow's kind of the general meeting and where we discuss many different things, including the definition of a woman again tomorrow. And then uh, wait a minute. So that okay, that's coming. Let's talk about that first. That was okay. before the la- well. Since since we talked last, that had come down where that became something to take up some additional time on uh, on the agenda. At the board, yeah. and and there were public comments and so forth. That was round one. So this week is when it really hits the fan in a different level. And then what does the majority, led by Chair Fletcher, expect or want to have happen out of this round? Well, basically, we got to have two rounds because we have to have two public hearings on this type of an ordinance. So, so we uh, had the first public hearing uh, last uh, two weeks ago, and we had about seventy speakers actually. And uh, now I've seen there's some emails have been out there uh, quite a bit on uh, people uh, we're going to hear. So the second reading is actually going to be tomorrow. And uh, it's on a consent calendar, which I have a hunch will be pulled off of that. So it's going to be a discussion item. And, and uh, uh, we're, at least there's going to be many, many speakers I'm anticipating for tomorrow's meeting. And, and you know, it, it's this uh, convention that, that happened in, of the uh, U.N. It was actually a resolution by the uh, U.N. adopted in 1979, uh-huh. the General Assembly, uh, and it's about the elimination of all forms of discrimination against women, which is a good thing. But what they're trying to do is they're saying, well, let's adopt this here in San Diego County, but they're changing the definition of a woman to include biological men, and which then right. allows men to be in women's sports, in women's locker rooms, in women's bathrooms and facilities, allows them to compete for scholarships, and and, and that's so that was uh, two weeks ago. And so we're hearing that uh, reading again. And it was three to two, myself and Joel Anderson voting no. Uh, but uh, I have a hunch that voting's going to go the same way, but we'll probably have a lot more speakers tomorrow. So, again, in that case, here's a United Nations dictate that the U.S. doesn't have to follow. It doesn't have the force of law, whatever, lurking from the 1970s. And, and again, no one wants to be discriminated against anybody, but to take this to the next level, which I don't even think that they were envisioning back at the U.N. at that time. But th- this points to the broader thing that happens, and we've talked about this often, at the county supervisor's level. There are a lot of things that make it to the docket that the majority in the five-member supervisory uh, makeup there find to be somehow urgent or worthy of doing county business some of this stuff whether it's whether it's federal or in this case international uh, with the united nations which again is a, as uh, pure as the uh, as the dew on a springtime morning um it, it's it seems to be a colossal waste of time the way they want to do it beyond just the common sense parts like let's not discriminate against women or anybody else but let's not turn this into job one to be what the, the united nations junior uh, at the county level, it seems to yeah. blot out a lot well, of other kind of important things, like keeping the pressure on with Sandag, for example, and, and some of their yeah, clients. more local stuff. Yeah, and it, it's it, what's ironic is the, the our country, the United States, has never adopted this uh, or this rather this uh, convention, I guess, 
that was adopted by the union, the United States, even with, you know, Carter and with uh, President Obama and, and with um, uh, Clinton, none of those administrations, even when they had the supermajority adopted. So, I mean, to be honest with you, the, the, it, it's actually very well done. It's very well written. And it really doesn't have, you know, it, it just, and in women, which which is fine, but then when we, the county, uh, inserted not me myself, but you know, uh, I think Supervisor Fletcher and Supervisor Vargas put right. this forward uh, to include a new definition for women is really kind of when say no, 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 no. You, 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 which really is discriminatory then to, to women because allowing biological men into facilities and things like that that uh, were exclusively for women before. So it, it's gotten out of hand. It's crazy. It's an agenda. It more agenda filling as opposed to really basic government. Uh, like you said, we should. Okay. Meanwhile, we're having uh, what will be coming here, depending on the court, uh, the current hold up in the court over the uh, getting rid of Title 42 with the border security and so forth, um, that at some point the Biden administration is saying, OK, we'll we'll get off that. And right now, again, there's there's a hold with a court challenge on that. But at some point. The pressures on the border into San Diego County are going to be a bigger deal. And do and you see that anywhere? I know you haven't seen the whole rundown for the meeting tomorrow, but is that anywhere on the radar of the uh, Democrat majority-led uh, border well, supervisors? It, it was on the radar in, in um, I think, maybe a month ago uh, when this talk of, of Title 42 going away. And we primarily and, and unanimously, I would go to, is, okay, what are we going to do to get ready? So basically, you know, our job, our lane at the county, we're the county health. So we got to make sure the county is doing all the things, you know, to keep people safe. You know, COVID, you know, came to the forefront was all the county. So what our job primarily is, is if, if all these if people are going to be coming across the border and if they're going to be flown into or brought into San Diego County, what do we do? So what we agreed to do is we put up like a shelter type entity thing to process people that are, that are coming through that they've already come across the border and do health screening. So we got to make sure, you know, things like tuberculosis and other types right. of And is that know, the county, I mean, is, is the county the last line or first line of defense in that situation? Or is that something the feds ought to do since they're changing the rules at, at whatever point, well, depending on the court? I, I think the feds should have to do that or screen people, you know, at, at the border, but they don't. Hmm. So they bring them into San Diego County. That that's our job to make sure we're we're kind of the last line of defense, I guess, for the for the health or the uh, you know diseases and things like that coming across the border. I you know the, the feds they, at a time they weren't even testing them for COVID, and and they, they were leaving that up to us. And so we agreed, okay, if they're going to be coming, we need to have a central location for the, these immigrants to go or these asylum seekers to go so that we can get them screened and then hopefully find their family somewhere else, somewhere in the United States and, and help them get there. Uh, but basically, they're already across the border. They're here. Instead of, and what if we don't do something like this, the other alternative is Border Patrol or whoever it is that's bringing them into San Diego County. They'll drop them off at transit stations or bus stations or train stations and say, okay, here you go. Yeah. Good luck. So yeah, there's already a lot of them congregating at the transit stations, too. It's it's all related, which then gets us down to the homeless issue, which continues to be a big problem. And I know that your fellow supervisor, Joel Anderson, uh, was uh, making re remarks here just over the last couple of weeks out at the encampment that goes right up to the city of El Cajon's limits. And El Cajon seems to have less of a problem than the county does there. I mean, that's that's one hot spot out of, of many. 
but it, it sure seems like the talk continues. I mean, that's more that's more practical local stuff right now than say uh, you know what the United Nations says to do about whatever yeah. topic. Yeah. So so these are all, and I, I would hope that that's somewhere uh, high on the agenda for this week. But on homelessness, yeah. is that are they changing the tune on that, or is, are you and Joel no. Anderson being the only ones trying to say, hey, let's do it differently because the current situation doesn't work? No, unfortunately. I mean, COVID's going to come up uh, tomorrow on a ch- uh, tomorrow's agenda, but homeless, and, you know, it, it should be on the forefront. It's still a problem. I mean, we're still, pl- even in North County, where I represent, we have, you know, I get several calls. I was on golfing with somebody who says, hey, there's a homeless encampment, uh, you know, yeah, at a certain yeah. locations, and we got we got it moved or but taken down, but it's just, it's just plain whack-a-mole if we can't, you know, make or put people into programs for help. If they don't want help, we can't force them, and that's kind of what we're up against right right now. And yeah, I think yeah. we, we play whack-a-mole with the encampment. I think it's interesting because there have been proposals from conservatives in past years um, saying, hey, maybe they all need to be moved forcefully to, oh, I don't know, do some kind of a, a larger encampment community, say, down by Otay Mesa, wherever. And if conservatives say it, they say, that sounds like ensuring the Japanese in World War II. But I saw over the weekend an interview in the L.A. Times, Karen Bass, who has been in Congress since like 2011 or something like that. She's running for mayor of Los Angeles, Democrat, liberal Democrat, and who's saying things like, you know, maybe we should put them all out maybe near Palmdale or somewhere. But apparently that's fine if you're on that side. So we'll watch how this progresses on many fronts of the county. Good luck. Yeah, and, and it's it, it, even if you do it, they don't. You can't in, incarcerate them. You can't lock right. them up. So if they want to leave, they can. So that's kind of you know where we we need to have a what some sort of a higher level of of conservatorship or something like that. Not that they're arrested, but in the programs because they're not making good life decisions. And yeah. I think it's a it's a it's a black eye in society. It's some some tough love. And yeah, Newsom's talking about that, but then the lawyers get in the way and they say, well, we can't actually do that. And then the problem keeps getting more chronic and, frankly, more of a public health uh, menace, including crime and you know, hepatitis and yeah. some of the other adventures out there. Jim Desmond, well, give us a full report after this week, won't you? And we'll. Uh, okay. <laughs> good luck. Wear your battle armor. Thanks a lot. All right. See you later. San Diego's talk. Jim Desmond, uh, San Diego County Supervisor. Another big week of meetings, and we'll keep an eye on them. You will, too, with us. San Diego's Talk, AM 760. Want some money? AM 760 has six chances to win $1,000 every weekday. Eh, it's a couple of tanks of gas. You'll have a lot of fun. Maybe find some, uh, what's short now, a baby formula. Uh, listen for the keyword, then enter it at 760radio.com for your chance to win. Next chance coming up during the Mike Slater Show at 105. Uh, today, a lot of things I know Mike will talk about the weekend's doings with the protests outside of Supreme Court justices' homes and uh, violence. There was a pro-life organization office that got a Molotov cocktail tossed in, damage over the weekend, and not, not even the White House is saying, well, we didn't want to, but we don't, we don't encourage that. They're trying to dance around it. This is Jen Psaki's final week before she goes to spread propaganda on MSNBC, which will be... Which will be different. Um, speaking of supply chain issues, only NBC decided to say, hey, look, gas prices are going up again. And supposedly in Sacramento, they're working on this uh, fever pitch to get you some relief, but they're not going to get rid of any taxes. And keep in mind that we're sitting here almost $6. Depends on how you buy, where you buy cash or credit, whatever. But, you know, into the $6 plus range in most cases. But nationally, 
the national average is now, and they're screaming about it, media centers. It's up to, it's, it's 4.33 a gallon. But at least NBC covered it, unlike some of the other networks. Another problem for the Biden administration. Here's that. I believe we are just one of nine states nationwide where the average for a gallon of gas still below $4. But experts say prices across the nation only expected to rise, and we could be beating that record price that we set as a nation back in March. And right now, all sides point to one expensive summer travel season. From the highways to the skyways, the cost of getting where you want to go is once again on the rise, just weeks ahead of Memorial Day. I don't even look at how many gallons anymore or what their dollar amount is anymore because it's expensive everywhere, everywhere. Nationwide, the average price for a gallon of regular is around $4.33, up 14 cents just in the last week alone, and $1.37 higher than this time last year. 22 states and Washington, D.C. have had even bigger jumps. In Michigan, the price soaring 27 cents in a single week. The prices are pretty high. Actually, we haven't cut down and driving at all. It's, uh, I mean, I got to get to work, and there's a couple things I got to do with, you know, got to do things with the kids to keep them busy. But that's not the case for most people. Two-thirds of people in a recent Yahoo survey said they've made or will make significant changes to their driving habits if prices remain between 412 and 435. For others, that threshold would be $5 a gallon. I still think that $5 is improbable, but it's not impossible. And it's not just regular gas. Jet fuel and diesel are soaring too. Nationwide, a gallon of diesel is $5.54, $2.43 higher than this time last year. A harsh reality for Rafael Mestre, whose company has 20 trucks. Normally, I used to put $2,000 in diesel, and now I got to put $5,000. Experts say a diesel shortage, coupled with the highest inflation we've seen in decades, could mean higher costs across the board for many products. Everything in this economy that you buy at a store arrives there via a semi-truck. And keep in mind, the surge in diesel prices has been so recent that many of those costs have not yet filtered down to what you pay. That's working great. When will President Jill Biden, I said Jill, uh, do a uh, press conference? Why, why did she, uh, you know, the president will not go to Ukraine, but she does. Dr. Jill Biden, first lady. Hey, good, good for her. Courageous. Uh, we'll watch all of this unfold. More coming up. Slater's next at, at 12.05. And uh, if you missed the first hour today, we did a lot of tribute to our friend Tony Gwynn, who would have been 62 years old today. You can hear that and relive some of that. A lot of fun audio and uh, memories from our first hour. That's over on the podcast, 760radio.com, or on the iHeartRadio app. Tonight at the ball game, it's going to be his daughter, uh, Nisha, singing the national anthem, and Alicia throws out the first ball to Tony Jr., AM 760. (laughs) It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.